Well, hi, everybody. Uh, this past week, I was in Baltimore, and I was training some guys that are starting new churches. And uh, as I was planning for the trip, I looked at my flight and the connection times and how much time you spend at the airport, you know, dropping off your car, picking up a rental car in Baltimore and all this kind of stuff. It just seemed like I might as well rent a car and drive because it'll be faster than flying because it's only like six hours to Baltimore. So uh, on Saturday, I picked up the car and the agent said to me, he goes, hey, you're the last customer of the day. You can have your pick of the fleet. Do you want a truck? I'm going, eh, not really a truck. He goes, how about a Cadillac? I'm going, yes, sir, I'll take the Cadillac. <laughs> all right. So I drove a 2017 Cadillac to Baltimore, all around Baltimore, and back here to Cleveland, and it was awesome. It was totally rad. This thing was very responsive. Like if somebody was merging and you got, well, should I back up or should I go? I just pressed it forward every time. Just, you know, it was like, great. Had a navigation system. If you just put your hand in front of the screen, it changed or something. And uh, Bose speakers. So the whole time I'm thinking, man, I wish I had this car. I don't want to give this back. I got an old Five, it is time for an upgrade. I want this car. I'm not giving it back. Now, considering that I'm teaching on the Ten Commandments today, this is a problem. Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Because the last commandment is, you shall not covet. Dude, all week long, I'm breaking the Ten command, Tenth Commandment all week long. Uh, so I stand here before you today as a guilty man, all right? A guilty man. <laughs> We're continuing our series in Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy is a, a, a name, a word that comes from two Greek words. The first word is deutero, and that means second in the Greek language. Uh, the second word is namos, and it means law. So this actually means second law. We're not talking about another new set of laws here. It's the second written record of the Ten Commandments that we see in the Bible. We got this spiritual leader, his name is Moses, and he is leading the ancient people of God, Israel, out of slavery in Egypt. And uh, on behalf of the people, he receives the Ten Commandments from God. Uh, you can read about this actually earlier in the Bible, in the book of Exodus. And after getting law, the people of God, because of their disobedience, wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, and a whole generation died off so now before they enter the new homeland, the promised land, Moses gathers the people and he tells them the story of how he received the Ten Commandments. Now why was that? Well, he wants them to be a people uh, set apart for God. He wants them to be different from all the other nations so they can be a light to the nations. And he also wants the, their families to flourish. I'm giving you this law so your families can flourish. Nine times in this book we see a phrase that it may go well with you. That it may go well. In other words, if you keep the law, it will go well with you. Just some examples. Deuteronomy 4. Therefore you shall keep His statutes and His commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, that you may prolong your days in the land the Lord your God has given you. Amen. Deuteronomy 5. You shall walk in the way the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and it may go well with you and live long in the land. Deuteronomy 6, Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord the God of your fathers has promised you, in a land flowing with milk and honey. Actually, this happens nine times in this book, that it may go well with you. Now, I'm interested in that, aren't you? 
that it may go well with you. Perhaps you're here today and things are not going well with you and your family because you got relationship struggles, you got financial issues, there's a health crisis, there's depression, panic attacks, unemployment, underemployment, cancer, divorce. Things might be going really hard for you and you're wondering, what's it going to take for things to go well with me? Now, I'm like you. I want things to go well for me, for my family. And that's why this is an important topic today as we continue our series, Ancient Ways for the Modern Family. So open up your Bibles and fire up your apps uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 5. And we're going to read through the Ten Commandments today. And a special welcome to you if you're watching online. Uh, you can interact with us at connect.cbconline.org. So uh, again, Deuteronomy 5 is the second time this list of Ten Commandments is actually given in the Bible. You know, when my kids were growing up in this church, uh, one of the business leaders who attended here is a guy named Nick Olaf. And Nick would give a crisp $20 bill to the children of CVC if they could correctly say the Ten Commandments. And like many kids at the church, my kids wanted the $20 bill, so they would quote the Ten Commandments. He'd give them a 20 Now, I heard last week that he lately has been giving $100 bills to the kids. So we have three boys, all right? So that's $80 difference. So Nick, three times 80 is $240 you owe our family, okay? Just say it. <laughs> but my question for you is, could you quote them on the spot? Could you just stand up, quote the Ten Commandments on the spot? Let me give you just kind of an easy way to remember the Ten Commandments, okay? So here we go. The first commandment, commandment number one, is uh, keep God first. You shall have no other gods before me, right? Commandment number two, you shall not make an idol or bow down and worship them. <laughs> commandment number three, it makes a little W, right? The three does. So it's about words. So um, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Commandment number four, it's like stop and rest. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Commandment number five is like saluting. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Honor your father and mother. Commandment number six. I'm going to make a gun. Don't send me any nasty emails, okay? Bam! You shall not kill, okay? Commandment number six. Uh, commandment number seven. There are two people in a marriage, not a crowd. You shall not commit adultery. Uh, commandment number eight. If you break this one, they'll put you behind bars, okay? <laughs> you go to jail. You shall not steal. Commandment number nine. Four is not five. Five is not four. You shall not lie. You shall not bear false witness. And commandment number 10, the one I broke all week last week, you shall not covet and want what is not yours, especially if it's a 2017 Cadillac, okay? So, now so, some of you go, ah, that's too many hand signals. I can't do that. I can't remember that. I need music to help me remember. Therefore, the staff at CBC, the custodians, support staff, the pastors, have worked to produce for you a special gift this morning. This is our magnum opus, all right? So here we go, the perfect 10. Take a look. Number one, we've just begun. God should be first in your life. Number two, the idol rule. Those graven images aren't nice. Number three, God's name should be never spoken in jest. Number four, the Sabbath's for our worship and for rest. Number five, we all should strive to honor father and mother. Number six, don't get your kicks from killing one another. Number seven, life 
number eight. Don't steal and break this rule for goodness sake. Number nine, don't be the kind who goes around telling lies. Number ten, don't covet when you see your neighbor's house or wife. That's the list that God insists we stay away from these sins. That is why we memorize commandments one through ten. The perfect ten, the perfect ten. They're just as true as they were way back when. God gave the perfect ten, the perfect ten. God gave the perfect ten. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. The perfect ten. Our magnum opus for you. Yes, it is. All right, so, uh, so that you can lock it into the memory bank, we're going to ask you to sing again. We've even got the words and a bouncy ball and all that. So stand up, stand up, and let's do a sing-along. Here we go. Number one, we've just begun. God should be first in your life. Number two, the idol rule, those graven images. Number three, God's name should be never spoken in jest. Number four, the Sabbath's for our worship and for rest. Number five, we all should strive to honor father and mother. Number six, don't get your kicks from killing one another. Number seven, life is heaven when you're true to your mate. Number eight, don't steal and break this rule for goodness sake. Number nine, don't be the kind who goes around telling lies. Number ten, don't covet when you see your neighbor's house or wife. That's the list that God insists we stay away from these sins. That is why we memorize commandments one through ten. The perfect ten, the perfect ten. They're just as true as they were way back when. That was all. Hey, we had a real fun time putting that together. That was a blast. <laughs> we just had some fun learning the Ten Commandments. It's not as painful as you might think. Uh, but, but seriously, the commandments are anything but a laughing matter. Because think about it. When the commandments were originally given, the people were in awe. God gave the commandments to Moses out in the desert in Horeb. The mountain where God met Moses was engulfed in smoke because God had come down as fire. And a whole mountain shook, the Bible says. Thunder sounded, the Bible says. And the people were told, stay away lest you die. So this was a holy meeting. It was an awesome spectacle. And now 40 years later, before the people go into their promised land, Moses is telling a new generation what happened. 
So let's read the passage. Here we go. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today. And you shall learn them and be careful to do them. The Lord your God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us, who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain out of the midst of the fire while I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire and you did not go up into the mountain. And he said, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or, worship or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children of the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. And you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. These words the Lord spoke to all your assembly at the mountain out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the thick darkness with a loud voice. And he added no more. And he wrote them on two tablets of stone and gave them to me. I just wonder, what must that have been like? Sobering. Reverent. Holy. Righteous. Pure. Amazing. The law is given with smoke and thunder and earthquakes and fire. And then nine times in the book, he says, do this so that it will go well with you. Now, some of you might be thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't try to use those Old Testament tactics with us. We are not Old Testament people of God. We are New Testament people of God. Therefore, we're not under law, but under grace. We don't have to keep the law. And in fact, you might quote Romans 6, verse 14. You are not under law, but under grace. And certainly that's true. And it's saying here, we don't have a right relationship with God because we keep the law. We keep the Ten Commandments. But a right relationship with God does change us from the inside out so that we are transformed into people who actually do want to keep the Ten Commandments. And that's the way it is for us New Testament believers. But you know, if you think about it, it's not really different from the way Old Testament believers were to relate to the law too. Look at how the law was revealed. It was revealed in a context of grace. Think about it. The Ten Commandments were given, God says, I am the Lord 
your God. Your God. This communicates a relationship with God that is based on grace. Because out of His own free will, not because the people did anything worthwhile, not because they deserved it, God chose to make His covenant with the Israelites. He chose to make the Israelites His people. And then at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, it not only says, I'm the Lord your God, but it says, who brought you out of the land of Egypt? And you know what that is? The first part's about redemption, this, a relationship. This is about redemption, which is also based on grace. So only after he talks about relationship and redemption does he give the law. He, see, he's saying, look, we have relationship already. And your redemption has been accomplished by the shedding of the Passover blood, which points to Christ, by the way. Now, here are some rules for you to live by to show your gratitude. Your obedience proves your thankfulness to God for the grace that you have been given. Your obedience proves that you have a relationship and that you've experienced redemption. So these Old Testament believers also were not under law but under grace. Now, there are plenty of religious people who twist it and make the law all about rules. And if you keep the law, then you're going to be right with God. But, but listen, their response to the grace of God resulted in a desire for them to obey, and that's the way it's supposed to be with us too. And that's, if you think about it, how Jesus puts it. He says in John 14, verse 15, If you love me, if you are in a redemptive relationship with me, then you will keep my commandments. We're supposed to keep the commandments because of grace. Jesus also said in Matthew 5, Do not think that I came to abolish the law of the prophets, I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one iota or a dot will pass from the law until it is all accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is saying keeping the Ten Commandments is really a big deal. Not to make us right with God, but because we are right with God. I don't seek to teach keep the Ten Commandments because I will be right with God. If I do, I do seek to keep the Ten Commandments because I'm already right with God in Christ. See, Jesus knew something. The Ten Commandments are really about love. One time somebody asked Him, hey, what's the greatest commandment? Remember what He said in Matthew 22? The, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and all the prophets. So if you break this down, the first four commandments in the list of ten is all about loving God. And the last six commandments in the list of ten is all about us loving each other. So this morning I want us to think about how we might rephrase the Ten Commandments in a positive way. Instead of, you shall not, what would it look like if it said, you shall? Now the fourth and fifth commandment are already stated in a positive way. And as we do this, don't think, uh, boy, Rick is trying to improve the Ten Commandments. No, that's not what I'm trying to do. I just want to help us understand and apply them as laws of love. So, so think about this. Uh, the first four. These are how we can show that we love God. You shall love God first, best, and most. You shall honor God as the infinite, eternal, and unchangeable creator He really is. Don't make an idol. You shall show the utmost respect for God with your words. And then you shall remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. The next six commandments are about loving each other. You shall honor your father and mother. You shall respect and protect the dignity of every human life. You shall be faithful to your spouse. You shall respect the rights and property of others. You shall be truthful in all you say and do. 
And you shall celebrate what others have, even if it's the 2017 <laughs> Cadillac. Being satisfied with and grateful for your 05 Toyota. <laughs> Commandments about loving God and loving others. Hey, what if you posted the Ten Commandments in your home as a family? As is. Ways for us to love God. Verse 4. Ways for us to love one another. The next six. And, and what if you played around a little bit and you posted the Ten Commandments in a positive way in your home? And what if you just reminded yourself and everyone else that these rules are really about relationship? It's about a relationship. Parents, you need to let your kids know. And grandparents, you need to let your grandchildren know. Let them know that these commandments are not there just to keep them in line. Let them know these commandments are for you too. I mean, let them know that the reason you rest and worship on the Christian Sabbath is because it's an act of love to God. And let them know that sports and dance and all that other stuff comes second on Sunday, not first, because we love God in this family. And we want to show Him that. Let them know you're seeking to love God first. You're not loving your spouse first. You're not loving your kids first. You're not loving your job or your comfort first. Because you know that loving Him first sets you up to love everybody else. Putting God first, loving Him most, is the only way you can live life so that it goes well for you. And just let them know. These aren't rules to keep you in line, to slap you on the hand whenever you mess up. It's about relationship. So how do these rules keep us focused on relationship? I want you to see how Jesus uses the Ten Commandments. First, Jesus uses the commandments to correct us, to correct us. Now, some people take a look at the Ten Commandments, and then they look at their lives, and they conclude, well, you know what? I'm not really that bad. I mean, I've never committed murder. I'm... I'm not a lawbreaker. No, no, no. I'm not perfect, but I never committed the literal act of adultery. So you know what? Maybe God will give me a pass. Really? I mean, Jesus knows what the Ten Commandments really mean. And He's not only looking at our outward behavior, He's looking at our hearts. Jesus one time talked about the Seventh Command. Remember that one? Two people in a marriage and not a crowd. And He goes, you shall not commit adultery. He says, it's not only the outward act that makes us adulterers, it's the inward desire. Look at Matthew 5.27. You've heard it was said, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. And when you look at the commandment this way, I mean, there's not a teenager, a young adult, or an older man in this room who stands completely innocent. And so that you understand that this is not just a man's issue, if a woman looks at a man and she kind of wonders what might it like to be married to him instead of this loser I have, she stands guilty too. Right? Jesus uses the commands to correct me. Jesus uses the commands to convict me. Now consider what Jesus says about the, the sixth command. Remember that one? You shall not murder. Look at Matthew 5, 21. You, should, you have heard it was said... To those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. It's the anger in the heart that leads to the murder that Jesus condemns. 
He says, if you're angry with heart, then you're guilty of murder in the eyes of God. Now, some of us <laughs> committed this kind of murder even before you left the house to come to church today. You got ticked at your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad or your husband or your wife or your son or your daughter, and you said some things that you regret and you can't take back. And so you committed murder in your mind, in your heart, with a look, with some words. We're guilty. Now, Jesus doesn't do this kind of thing with every single command in Matthew 5, but he could have. Like, you have heard that it was said, honor your father and mother, but I say to you that anyone who disobeys or defies mother or father is guilty of dishonoring his parents. The first time you had the thought, my parents are ignorant and old-fashioned, you broke this command. Or you have heard that it was said, you shall not steal, you shall not lie. But anyone who thinks about stealing or lying is guilty of violating these commands. And the last command is, you shall not covet. Who's not guilty of violating this command? I mean, as I said, I had to fight violating the 10th command all week last week when I was driving around in Baltimore. And you know what? You may have to fight violating this command every time you drive down the street where you live. Because somebody's got something that you wish you had. When Jesus interprets the law in Matthew 5, He's letting us know just how impossible it is for us to actually keep the law in order to be right with God. If you think, I'm going to go to heaven because I keep the Ten Commandments, holy smoke, really? No matter how hard we try, we're not law keepers, we're law breakers. So Jesus gives us the law to convict us. John Gershner was a church history professor at Pittsburgh Theological Seminary. He was once teaching the Bible, and he uh, talked about the law of God, and he used it to expose sin. And after the service, a woman came up to him, and she held her hands with her index finger and her thumb about that far apart. And she said, Dr. Gerstner, you make me feel about this big. And Dr. Gerstner replied, but madame, that's too big. That's much too big. Don't you know, that much self-righteousness will send you to hell. We're not law keepers. Jesus uses the commands to correct me, to convict me. And then, this is good news, He uses the commands to connect me to Him. Now, some people might think it's harsh for Jesus to want to correct us and convict us in this way, but it's really an act of love because He wants us to be connected to Him. When we see we're guilty and there's nothing we can do to make ourselves right with God, that's when we have to run to Christ. So the law was given to us to lead us to Christ, to connect us to Christ, to cause us to cling to Christ. And as the book of Galatians says, the Ten Commandments is actually our teacher or our tutor or our guide or our guardian or our schoolmaster that point us to the only remedy, and that's Jesus Himself. And once you connect to Jesus, you're going to see that Jesus is like three things. He's your pattern. He's your pardon. He's your power. He's our perfect pattern. Only one person ever walked on the face of this earth and kept every law perfectly, and His name is Jesus. And the Bible says He was tempted in every point, just as we are, yet without sin. He lived the perfect life that we could never live. He obeyed the Ten Commandments perfectly in a way that we never could. We, we can say, I've never seen anyone obey the Ten Commandments. And Jesus says, look at me. Read the stories about my life. I did what you could not do. I kept the Ten Commandments perfectly. I'm your pattern, so follow me. He's our perfect pattern, and He's our perfect pardon. Not only did Jesus live the life we could never live, He died the death that we should have died. 
He died on a cross in our place to pay for our sin. It was as if Jesus was the lawbreaker, not us. So when we put our faith and trust in Him as the law keeper in our place and the lawbreaker in our place, then we're forgiven and we're given His righteousness. And we can say, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to try to follow you, Jesus, but I'm going to fail miserably. And Jesus says, I'm your pardon. Lawbreakers, yes, they have to pay, but I died in your place. I suffered the wrath of God so you wouldn't have to. And when I died on the cross, I died as a lawbreaker for you so you don't have to die as a lawbreaker. I'm your forgiver. I'm your pardon. So He's our perfect pattern. He's our perfect pardon. He's our perfect power. You know, we ought to say, I don't have the ability on my own to keep the Ten Commandments. I just can't do it. No matter how hard I try, I fail. It's just doing more, trying harder. It just doesn't work. And we know that's true, right? Because we do what we don't want to do, and we don't do what we do want to do. That's Romans 7. And that ought to make us miserable. And in Romans 7, we come to this conclusion, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And the answer is, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We get connected to Christ when we come to the end of ourselves. Now parents, you need to understand that there are two ways to try to get your kids to obey the Ten Commandments. There is something called moral obedience and there's something called evangelical obedience. Now moral obedience is, kids, you need to try really, really hard to keep the law. Here's the list of Ten Commandments. Keep the law. And if you don't keep the law... You're out of line, and I'm going to let you know. Now, if you approach the law that way, there are two possible outcomes, and they're both bad. If I try to keep the law, I can fail miserably because I can't do it. And then I give up. And that's why some of our kids just reject the rules of religion as soon as they leave your house because rules without relationship always lead to rebellion. A second outcome could be this. If I try really, really hard to keep the rules, I might pretty well, at least outwardly, succeed. And that's even more miserable. Because then your kid becomes the kind of kid who actually keeps the rules and nobody else can stand that kid. That kid becomes filled with pride, filled with self-righteousness. He's holier than thou. He's a joyless do-gooder who is devoid of True love and true grace. That's what moral obedience can give you. But we're after evangelical obedience. Evangel is the word for gospel. It's gospel-based obedience. It's the obedience to the law that is grounded in and motivated by and energized through the gospel. That Jesus Christ has died in my place to forgive me of my sins. He arose from the dead to justify me so that I now obey God out of a sense of joy and gratitude. He uses the law to expose me as a lawbreaker so that I see that my only hope is that I come to Him and I'm transformed into a law keeper. And so Jesus says, I'm your power. I died and I rose again. I sent into heaven and I have sent my Holy Spirit to actually live inside you. You now have a resurrection power to live the kind of life you could never live apart from me. Because apart from me, you could do nothing. If you abide in me, I'm going to bear much fruit in you. And part of that fruit is the desire and the ability to more and more obey the Ten Commandments. You don't obey the Ten Commandments by trying hard. You obey the Ten Commandments by staying in step with the Spirit, by walking with me, by abiding in the vine. And, and, and your kids need to know this. 
when you lust, if you're in Christ, it's forgiven. When you lie, if you're in Christ, it's forgiven. When you dis dishonor your parents, if you're in Christ, it's, it's already forgiven. And when you don't put God first, if you're in Christ, it's already forgiven. But that forgiveness doesn't give you a license to continue to disobey the perfect ten. No, that forgiveness causes your heart to be filled with gratitude and a desire to be so connected with Jesus that the Holy Spirit fills your life with the power to get up and dust yourself off and seek to walk in obedience again by the power of the Spirit. We know that we can never do enough, but that's okay because we are trusting in Jesus who's already done enough for us. And a funny thing happens. When the pressure's off, we perform better. He gives us the Ten Commandments to correct us, convict us, and connect us to Himself because He's our perfect pattern, perfect pardon, and perfect power. Now, if you don't like the peas in the pod, <laughs> you can just call Him your example, your forgiver, and your strength. For the last two weeks, I've been trying to think, how do I help us remember to make the connection from the Ten Commandments to Jesus? Talked to my family about it, and finally it hit me on Friday. It works for me. Maybe it won't work for you, but here's how I'm going to do it. You hold up your fingers like this. You got Ten Commandments, right? And then because the commandments are about a relationship, you bring your right hand over your left hand. And if you trace the edge of my forefinger and my thumbs, you get a letter. What's the letter? That's a J. What'd you say? What'd you say it was? An L? No, that's an L. This is a J. But L would work. It's the Lord, right? That would work. So the Ten Commandments point us to Jesus. Right? That's what the commandments are there for, is to connect us to Christ. Parents and grandparents, make sure you tell your children and grandchildren, you need Jesus too. Don't pretend to be somebody that always keeps the Ten Commandments. Man, I'm up here and you kids are down here. You don't keep the Ten Commandments. They already know that. So don't be afraid to tell them when you fail. You be the person that shows them how to go to Jesus as your pattern, as your pardon, and as your power. You just say, hey, everybody, I was wrong. I sinned. And then you look to heaven and you say, hey, Jesus, thank you for showing me the way. Thank you for dying on the cross to forgive me for my sins. Now, please empower me by your spirit to obey. Because I've been a lawbreaker. Now I want to be a law keeper. You do that publicly with your family, that is not going to make you weak. That's going to give you credibility and integrity and strength as a parent. All right, so some of you are saying, okay, Rick, I still have this question. I, I see the Ten Commandments point us to Jesus. So, so are you saying if I keep the Ten Commandments by connecting to Jesus that it's going to go well with my family? Because I remember what you said at the beginning. It will go well with you. Nine times it said in Deuteronomy, right? Well, be careful. If we aren't careful, even as followers of Jesus, we will turn the Ten Commandments into some kind of a contractual, conditional transaction with God. We think, well, if I obey God well enough, and how well is well enough, then things are going to go well with me. See, when we do that, we turn the Ten Commandments into a formula. If you keep the Ten Commandments, son or daughter, things will go well with you. 
And if you teach the Ten Commandments like that to your kids, then the first time your kids run into trouble or tragedy or difficulty in life, they might be tempted to walk away from the whole thing. Your God doesn't work. Your Bible doesn't work. I'm out. So what does it shall go well with you mean? Think about it. The first people who heard this phrase, the ancient Israelites, it couldn't have meant that they would face no troubles. As soon as they went into the promised land, they were at war with enemies. And even the most obedient of them got sick and died eventually. So whatever it will go well with you means, it can't mean a life free from trouble. So what does it mean? Well, here's an answer. We, already, we have an already but not yet life in Christ. Already means I get a little foretaste of heaven now. It means I can live with hope in the midst of despair. I can have peace in the midst of chaos. And I can have joy in the midst of sorrow. I get just a little taste of the promised land. We get a little taste of that land flowing with milk and honey in this life. So if you are a person who wants to and pursues keeping the Ten Commandments, you're going to get a little foretaste of heaven here. And that doesn't mean you'll be shielded from problems and trouble and trials. No matter what difficulties your family might be facing, if you have Jesus, you can have peace and hope and joy in spite of your troubles. That's the already part, but not yet means I'm not home yet. I'm not to heaven yet. That promised land that the ancient Israelites inherited was just a picture of the eternal promised land that awaits all who believe. And because of Jesus, we are headed to that place where it will go well with you forever and ever and ever and ever. So yes, if you've been changed from the inside out through a connection with Christ so that you become the kind of person who actually wants to keep the Ten Commandments, then it will go well with you. And you will live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And that is His promised land forever. And you know what I truly believe? In that land where it's going to go well with me, there will be a billion things there better than a 2017 Cadillac. <laughs> Am I right about that? So I just got to be happy with my old five. <laughs> Maybe you're here today and you're going, oh, man, I, I never thought about the law this way and I never really saw myself as a lawbreaker. And now I see even more clearly my need for Christ than I've ever seen before. And I want Christ as my pattern, as my pardon, as my power. As my example, as my forgiver, as my strength. And if that's you, look at the screen. Here's a, here's a prayer. There's no magic prayer, but you can pray. Heavenly Father, I believe that the Ten Commandments are good for me and my family, but I've been a lawbreaker. I know you still love me. You sent your son to die on the cross to substitute to pay for all my lawbreaking. Today I receive Jesus and the gift of forgiveness. I want to obey the Ten Commandments. Help me stay so connected to Jesus I can live out the law of love, loving you and loving others. My, my, my question is, does that prayer express the desire of your heart? Have you ever prayed something like that from the heart? Has Jesus ever really changed you from the inside out? If you've already prayed something like that before, and many of you have, most of you have, then right now I want you to pray for the people in this room that haven't, that they will. And if you're here and you haven't, then I'm just going to ask all of us, bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'm going to read through this prayer again, phrase by phrase. And you could just whisper to God silently in your heart, Heavenly Father, I believe that the Ten Commandments 
are good for me and my family. But I have been a lawbreaker. I know that you still love me. You sent your son to die on the cross as a substitute to pay for all my lawbreaking. Today I receive Jesus and the gift of forgiveness. I want to obey the Ten Commandments. Help me stay so connected to Jesus that I can live out the law of love. Loving you and loving others. In Jesus' name, amen.